I know that this is a time for vacations and some of you have been going to beaches and others to national parks and especially trying to get to places that are cooler. Our family has been really fortunate in that my parents 20 years ago decided that they were going to live in Montana. And then two of my three sisters decided they were gonna live in Montana as well. And so Montana is where our family goes for vacation. And my parents' home is 45 minutes from the west gate to, to Yellowstone National Park. And so we've been dozens of times. When the boys were three, five, and seven, Charlie and I decided that we were old enough and mature enough, and the boys were old enough that we were going to make a day, our first day trip to Yellowstone. So you look at the predictions of when Old Faithful is gonna go off the day prior. And we had mapped it out perfectly. We were gonna get into the park. We were gonna show up at the Old Faithful Inn and have breakfast. And then it was gonna be just in time for us to leave and then see Old Faithful and then get right back in the car and head home. So we get there. Everything is seeming to work the way we want. We get in, we have breakfast. The boys are happy because there's so much sugary goodness on that buffet. They are filled and happy and the sugar high hadn't set in and we walk outside and hundreds and hundreds of people are leaving. And we realize we missed it. You know, Old Faithful is faithful in that it always does erupt, but it's not necessarily on our time. And so we knew that meant that we had either this window between 35 minutes and two hours with sugar coma children. And and, you know, there's no slides or swings to keep them entertained. It is God's playground, but then there's these signs that say like, beware, at any point you could be burned severely by the geyser. And then in another sign, it's like, watch out, don't walk towards the animals because they will charge you. And so with these three children and then all of these people waiting, we have to stay on top of them. And so we looked at each other and we're like, is it worth it? Do we have it in us to do the wait, to see this supposedly amazing event? I I sometimes feel like that in my relationship with God, where I feel like I am on the precipice of something amazing happening and I'm just waiting and waiting. Or I've prayed for something for so long and it, it has to be that, that God is gonna answer that the next time I pray for that. Or I have been just searching for direction for where I'm supposed to go next or what I'm supposed to do next or what type of parent I'm supposed to be in this situation. Just waiting and waiting. It, it, it seems so slow sometimes in our wait for God. God's faithfulness is not bound by time, the way that we think of faithfulness. To help us with that, we are gonna look at two different scriptures, one from the book of Psalms and one from the book of 2 Peter. So as we prepare to do so, will you pray with me? God of infinite wisdom, 
of infinite view and perspective. This morning, holy God, may we catch a glimpse, a sliver of how good you are, how faithful you are, and then what that faithfulness looks like. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. First comes from the book of Psalms. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol God, all you peoples. For great is the Lord's steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And then from 2 Peter, but do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalmist reminds us that the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. God's faithfulness never tires. It never taps out. It never wanes. It never says, I'm done. I'm ready for the weekend. God's faithfulness also is not determined, defined, or threatened by time. Peter reminds us that while you and I view time in terms of our lives, God's view of time is infinite. Imagine a beach, and your life is one grain of sand, and God sees all of that. You and I see our little life, and God sees billions of time, billions of years. So much of understanding who God is and what it means for God to be faithful is realizing it has nothing to do with our concept of time. As I reflected on this, I was reminded of this beautifully written sermon by the Scottish preacher George Herbert Morrison. Its title is The Slowness of God. In this sermon, he lays out how the pace of God, the pace at which God works, is in such stark contrast to how we as humans do pace. And then he speaks of how Jesus' life has so much urgency, but never hurry. Urgency, but never hurry. Listen to what he says. You get the impression as you follow Christ that with him a thousand years are as one day. Think of the third temptation in the desert. The devil takes Jesus up to the mountain and says, all these kingdoms I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. But the way of the devil was the immediate way, reckless of means so that the end was gained. But the way of Jesus was the long, long way, which he is mystically treading still. All the kingdoms I give thee now, the devil said, now. The devil is always conjuring with now. For one brief moment, Jesus Christ was tempted to get at his triumph by the shortest road. But he put it from him and chose the long, slow way that led him through the garden 
to the cross and has led him through the ages to his victories in a thousand earnest and consecrated servants. There is more than the touch of a hero about that. For me, there is the touch of the divine. God is patient because God is eternal. And there is something of that patience about Jesus. His time was short, and yet his ways were long. His love was mighty, and yet his approach was slow. One day was a thousand years for Christ, and a thousand years were one day. I love that line, the devil is always conjuring in the now. What's remarkable, friends, is that Morrison gave that sermon over a hundred years ago in Scotland. Long before technology as we know it, you see the hurriedness, the hastiness has always been part of the human condition. What would happen if we were to learn what it means to be faithful from the apparent slowness of God, the apparent slowness of the way Christ acts in this world. Well, we can see that in the way that the Hebrew word for faithfulness is even created. In the Psalm, the Hebrew word for faithfulness, it sounds like this, imunah. Imunah. And the root word is aman. We translate it as amen. Amen. We begin all of our prayers, dear God, our Heavenly Father, our Father. It's one bookend, and we end them all with amen. We're ending it saying, it is God that is faithful. Let it be done. We say amen at the end of a prayer because we are, we are proclaiming the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, the faithfulness of the Lord. Let it be. Will you confirm it for us, Lord God? Be steadfast. Be faithful. To be faithful means to do what one says one will do. To be faithful is to be trustworthy and to not break that trust. I have several close friends, both men and women, who have had affairs. And this is what happens in the relationship. The, the partner will say, my spouse has been unfaithful to me because they said they were going to be one thing. They made a commitment to me and they then chose not to be faithful. If we are all honest, all of us are unfaithful to God. We slip, we, we, we proclaim that God is good and that our Father who art in heaven one day, and I proclaim with every fiber of my being that the Lord Jesus is the Lord of my life. And yet, this week, there will be a moment when I will choose something else to be Lord. What if we focused more not on how good we're doing, but boldly affirming how good God is and the faithfulness and the fullness and the limitlessness, the infiniteness of God's faithfulness. 
One of the first in-depth Bible studies I took was called Believing God by Beth Moore. I highly recommend it to both men and women. And her premise is that there are these five steps, not for our faith, but so that we can believe God, so that we can actually believe God. And the first one, it's so incredibly simplistic, but not simple at all. God is who God says God is. God is who God says God is. So when God speaks in Genesis and the world is created, we know our God is a creator God forever and always. And God is and always will be a creator God because God is who God says God is. When God says over and over and over and over, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery from the land of Egypt, we are reminded that we serve a God who rescues, who frees us. God is who God says God is. Even if we feel unlovable, Lest someone told us we were unlovable or acted in an unloving way to us, we must believe that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God is who God says God is. Thomas Chisholm grew up in Kentucky in the late 1800s, and ever since he was a little boy, he was just bright and driven and, and peculiar. And so when he was 16 years old in his little tiny schoolhouse, he became the teacher. He like was the one that just decided he was going to start teaching everybody else. And then a couple years later, his, his church said, you should go not, uh, be an editor in our paper. And he was driven and he was doing everything right. And he got married and had children, but his life changed. At 27, he became a Christian and put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he says he knew that was his calling. He was going to be a pastor and he was a good one. But he could only be a pastor for such a short period of time because tragedy hit their family. And he had poor health, so, such bad health, he could not go visit people. Because of the poor health, the family was weighted down with so many financial troubles. And in the midst of all of that, this is what he wrote. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, not wanted, not hoped for, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So Charlie, me, and the boys, we waited. And about 45 minutes later, Old Faithful began her show, and it starts with just like some bursts. And you're, you know it's about to happen. Everybody flocks and then it just explodes and it's 100 feet and it's very short-lived. <laughs> it's a little bit underwhelming, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Old Faithful gets her name because she always does show. She erupts when she is ready. It's the prediction that is early or late, not the geyser. The faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Slow, yes. Painfully slow sometimes, but not early or late because God's faithfulness always shows. May it be so in my life and in yours.